This episode of the AT Tips Cast is sponsored by TextHelp Systems, provider of award-winning literacy solutions, including Read and Write Gold and Fluency Tutor. For more information, go to www.texthelp.com. That's www.texthelp.com. Hi, I'm Eliza Anderson, and I'm the editor and founder of AT Program News, which is a newsletter, read e-zine, um, and website, atprogramnews.com, to serve the state AT Act programs around the country, as well as the alternative financing programs, which is a phrase that is for programs that help fund assistive technology, and their community partners, such as school systems and many others, such as Easter Seals and other AT providers. And my site uh, is many articles and resources for people who are interested in how programs help provide assistive technology and good practices. So come to atprogramnews.com, subscribe, and um, also consider contributing. Thanks so much. Welcome to the AT Tips Cast, exploring and investigating the implementation of assistive technology in public schools. I'm your host, Chris Bouguet. This is episode number 68, recorded on January 30th, 2011. Hey there, everyone. I just got back from the Assistive Technology Industry Association Conference of 2011 that was held in uh, Orlando, Florida. Once again, a number of educators got together at the conference to share resources in a rapid-fire event known as the AT Smackdown. Again, people like Dave Hohulin, Karen Janowski, Brian Wojcik, and a host of others share different tools they find useful to help educate students. This time, I got to be there, live, in person, to participate in the sharing, and I got to record the event. I didn't have any fancy-dancy microphone on me, I only had a little lapel mic, and during the smackdown, the mic got bumped around quite a bit. So, some of the audio quality might be, well, a little bit unfortunate, but it's not too bad. I did my best to clean it up for you. I'll have the names of everyone who shared, along with the corresponding tools, over at the blog, attipscast.wordpress.com. If you're using any of these tools, let us know how you're using them by leaving a comment over at the blog and sharing your experiences. I hope you enjoy the Orlando AT Smackdown of ATIA 2011. You might be wondering what is an AT Smackdown? It's not this. It is. Um, this actually started with the other educational technology conferences like ISTE and EDUCON and EDUBLOGGERCON and all of those. And so we've transferred it to the AT environment. And what it is, the ground rules are you get two minutes. We've got a timekeeper. You can share any tip trick, strategy tool, commercial tool, something that you do in classroom suite that people don't know about, you know, anything, uh, a web 2.0 tool that you think people don't know about or a trick that they don't know. So you get two minutes, anybody can share. So be ready to share. We've got a Google Doc going, we've got it out on Twitter. Um, Chris Bouguet is recording it so that because there are people who aren't here who want to know what we're sharing. And so that this will be archived for people to hear later on. I put it out in the quiet listserv too. So you can bring your own computer. We can quickly switch. But since I'm up here, why don't I get us started? So the ground rules are we have two minutes. Anyone can present. So you do one at a time. And then 
if we if people if there's a lull, you can come back up. But be ready to share or just learn and have fun. So I'm going to show live binders. I won't use that. Can you hear me if I shout? Okay, so what is live binders? We all know wikis and blogs and things like that. We have a place to collect resources. Live binders is is binders on steroids, and I think this will be an awesome tool for research, but it's a great place for us to deposit our resources. So it's livebinders.com. It's free. See all these tabs up here. Let me see if I can make this a little, oh, not smaller, bigger. So now I can organize my resource website according to tabs. I'm creating folders for every resource. So I go in, I lo oh, I'm not logged in right now, but it doesn't matter. So I'm doing one, a live binder I just started this morning on executive function. So I can go to my organization tab. There are all my websites. Oh, so I can quickly go to remember the milk. It takes me right there. I can see the resource. Oh, if I do F11 so you can see a little. So it's, and what you do is you add the live binder toolbar icon to your toolbar and then so let's say I want to add something to my organization tab so let's say I'll add a new tab I'll go to organization maybe I want to maybe I'll organization tools I might google something all right so let's say I want to add the toolbox organization tools maybe I want to add this I can also easily delete it so I'll click on this link, not the best way to search. So, oh, great, okay, I wanna add this one. All I do is click the Live Binder It tab here, the icon. And, oh, since I'm not, okay, I am signed in. So I can update it to an existing binder, which I will, and I'll scroll down. I wanna add it to my sub-tab of organization, so now it will show me my tabs that I've created add to existing binder and then there's a countdown of 10 seconds and do I have 10 seconds okay done <laughs> and it goes so quickly and now it will be there in that folder it's so awesome it'll I'll just need to update okay done who's next all right the uh, this is not a new tool but it might be new to you how many I don't know if any of you use posterous as a tool for your classrooms but if you do not, this is one of the absolute easiest tools for writing that you could ever hope to imagine. Um, Posterous is a free blogging, or it's a free blog rather, but instead of having to go in on the back end and type up a whole thing and, and save it and publish it to your blog, all you have to do is email it. It will take text, it will take video, anything. This is one that I did with Karen just as, as two minutes ago. We started this, I did it from my cell phone. Okay, so Karen was welcoming us. She was, but all you have to do is have a cell phone. If your kids have camera phones, all they have to do is text a message, email a message to post at posterus.com. Whatever email address it's sent from, it's gonna automatically create an account for them. 
they can go ahead and sign in. I love this. Think about going on those class trips somewhere and you have students who are struggling writers. You're going to the museum. We always had to write out, what were the three things that you learned from going to this trip? Well, instead of doing that, your students could interview one another or be interviewed, send the video back. So your struggling writers have a different way of expressing their knowledge of the content and what they learned. Or how many of the kids text faster than you can typewrite? Or keyboard, pardon me, I'm really old. Um, uh, but that would be another way uh, that they could get their information out. They could share about a classroom topic. You have a classroom. Uh, it's, and it works the same way as a regular blog does as well. So a lot of, uh, a lot of possibilities here. Yes? Can you only send from a certain email address, though? How do your kids I have multiple email addresses on my account. So I have it that it comes from a lot of different. I have actually two different email accounts. I don't know. I've never tested the maximum. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cheryl Oaks, and on Twitter, I'm Cheryl Oaks50, and it was nice to meet a whole bunch of my uh, followers. Cheryl rocks. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> um, this is just recently been made available. I'm going to go to just hopefully Google.com, and I'm going to search estuary, and over under advanced search, we now have reading levels. And so for anyone who's trying to search a document, I mean search articles on, online, you can tell Google to look for basic reading level. Move down and go to the advanced search. Once you're there, it shows you your searches that are basic, intermediate, and advanced. I can view all the reading levels, which is really important for students because then it shows, oh, maybe, yes, under each title, it tells you if that's an advanced reading level, basic reading level, and students can easily take charge of their learning. And I'll give you the time. A minute for to spare. Wow. Oh, I'm actually not gonna share a tool like everybody else because everybody's just a Karen Janowski wannabe. But in my email this morning something came that I thought it would be fun to share. Um, Wikispaces just announced the 10 best education Wikispaces of the uh, year just this morning and I have one in a queue because we don't have any internet in here so this is the one that won for education. And what they've done is reviewed Web 2.0 tools, how to use them, what they, how they're applying them, and gave them scores and grades and so forth. So um, sorry that I'm having a little graphics thing here, so I can't. But you can see what they've done is um, put in resources, how-tos, how to apply in the classroom. And I don't know about you guys, if you're using Wiki or Wikispaces, um, I, I make a wiki for every internet. That's okay. For I, I don't have enough time. You're going to beat me up. For every uh, class that I teach, I always make a wiki to go with it. Even though we have Blackboard, there's lots of things that you can't do in there that, and you want to collect resources and share, and you can't share out of Blackboard. So I probably have a bazillion wikis, but um, knowing keeping up with all the Web 2.0s is only one person I know that even tries to keep up insane and so these people are collecting all the web 2.0 tools for us and I'm done too and I think it's under a minute 
I work in technology. All right. Um, site that I'm going to go ahead and share with you. Uh, it's a service. It's called Wigio. Um, how many of you have students? Here, let me start my time. <laughs> how many of you have students who work on group projects? Um, or are engaged in social groups of some sort. Regio is a service. It's a free service and makes working in groups easy. That's their, that's their motto. And it's just chocked full of really cool features, in my humble opinion. And I, I'm even using this uh, working with other teachers, other colleagues. For example, if you go in, and this, uh, these are all the features. You have, I'll start back here, a to-do list. Pretty, uh, pretty simple, straightforward to-do. You have, uh, if you want to add something, name the list and start adding task. The, ta uh, the task can then be assigned to people. They can have dates up on them. So you can, uh, if you have students who have issues with organization, this is a really good, I'm all about organization, meet my daughter. Um, you can go ahead and post messages to people in the group. Uh, text messaging, which I think is fabulous, especially working with, uh, with younger students. Email for those of us who do that. Uh, sticky notes appear up on the front page. And what I like, voice notes. You can send voice notes to each other. So if you have students who have difficulty with all that, even if you just use this as an email interface, sending voice notes, love it. Um, you can go ahead and put polls out to your group. Uh, free of charge. Meetings, you can do virtual meetings. So you can do screen sharing. This is all free. You can do screen sharing. You can do a conference call. You can open up a chat room. Um, you can, uh, your folder, you can post uh, files. You have like 500 gigs to go ahead and post. It's incredibly insane right now. Um, ah, darn it. Um, you can add links. And finally, any of your to-dos uh, we'll go ahead and go on your calendar, and so if you're using Google Cal or anything that accepts an iCal extension, it will go ahead and import that right in there. And all of your to-dos go on there. You can do events, and you can assign those things to various people so that various <coughs> subgroups can only see certain things if you want to go there. Awesome tool. Karen, you're, you're signed in under here already, so I'm going to use your login if that's okay. The one on your show is called bit.ly, which is... Uh, at a very basic level, it's a URL shortener. You take one long URL, you paste it in, and then it shortens it by clicking right here. But what I really like about this is that when you take a, um, a long website URL, like here's that estuary one, I'm going to just copy it. I'm going to pop it over here in bit.ly, and it will shrink it for me. But who's going to remember it still? Who's going to remember this little... You know, well, don't remember that. But you can hit the customize button, and now I can say, um, Karen, is that all right if I use your? If I can hit customize here, and I could say uh, this is uh, definition of estuary or whatever. And I have now something that uh, if I give it out to some a student, they might have a chance of remembering what that URL URL is, but they never did before. How much time do we have, Brian? I want to show one other thing. One minute. Oh, one minute. Great. So here's something real cool that I just discovered like last week about this. Everyone look down at your badge. Do you see the uh, barcode there? Yeah. We all know about barcodes. We've all had barcodes, seen those before, right? But now you can make your own barcode. Um, just right here at bit.ly, right here is a, a link, let's say. If I just click here, it takes me to um, 
the QR code. It generates a QR code right here, which is just a JPEG. Now, those of you that use smartphones, and, and you, there's a free app on like the iPod, I'm sure there's other ones, called Red Laser, it's the one I use. And um, if you take that, uh, a picture of that, it'll automatically pull up the website on your phone. So just think of the implications for students who are um, out in vocational areas. You could take these pictures, put it next to, like, say, a job, and they would take a picture and it would show the YouTube video of how to use that piece of equipment or the social skill that you need in that situation. So you can generate your own Q QR codes. Great. Nice. Okay, I got to follow that up. Sorry. <laughs> if you like QR codes. Oh, cool. While you're setting up, your daughter could do her project online, make a QR code, print out that QR code, and hand it in her seat. Yes. That's what yeah. I do with my students next week. If you are interested in QR codes, um, we. Uh, I have, a, uh, I have a student group that I run uh, called Students Using and Integrating Technology in Education. Sweet. Um, it's a sweet group. Um, thank you. Um, we did a whole session up on QR codes. And they, uh, there's a QR code generator out there. And you can generate not only URLs like Chris showed, um, but you can also uh, put text in there. So uh, you have up to 250 characters. And you can generate, hello, hang on. Hello, my name is Brian. And then you generate a QR code. And when you go ahead and scan that with your phone, it's gonna give you the text. Um, if you have a text-to-speech reader up on your phone, it will text that, hey, we'll go ahead and speak that out. I've, I've done this. We went ahead and set up an entire scavenger hunt with QR codes. We gave them all iPod touches and went out and it was the best activity. Uh, the best activity. In Chrome, um, in Chrome, for example, there is a um, QR code extension. So if I, uh, if I have, if I go to a site, it's one I type often, so I apologize. Um, and right up here is the QR code extension. If I click it, it automatically generates that QR code for that, uh, that page. You can take that anywhere, you can go ahead and even tweet it out. Um, and it's right from within Chrome. So if you like QR codes, here's some uh, really kind of awesome ways to use it. And I'm out of time. What does QR code mean? Quick response code. They are all bad in um, Asia and Europe. Um, you'll go to buildings and there are QR codes all on the side of the building. We have one on the back of our uh, business card we need for uh, yes. the conference here. I just want to find out if that works. You can even add in you know, like B cards so you can have all your contact info and it reports directly into your phone. Brian, one of the things we talked about our team in presentation was um, making like t shirts. So you can put that in the future and then tell you everything. Hey, that's how you go to the ETF. Where's my wiki, you know? Hey, I'm Doug from AI Squared. Um, we're the makers of ZoomText. We're here at the show with a new iPhone application. It's basically an application that lets you take a picture of text, OCRs the text, and reads it back to you on the iPhone. Um, so these are some screenshots. If you want to see it in action, come to our booth. 
but basically since I've got two minutes here, this is the capture screen camera interface. The application supports voice control, so I can tell it to zoom in, zoom out, take the picture. Um, it also supports voiceover fully, and it gives you audible clues about where the application is as you're using it. You can take a picture, you can select from the camera roll, and you can do live color filtering. So you can change the text from natural color to something like black text on a white background or white text on a back background. After you take the picture, you get to see a preview of it. And like I said, this is all voice control and the application will announce to me that it's ready to process the image. I can say to it, read the image. It'll take the picture and extract text. And it has some settings that it will use for you. You can change the font size. And much like our Doc Reader product, if you've seen it, we highlight a sentence at a time in a particular color. And you can change things, like I said, like font size, which you see there are color selectors, speech rates. We're using nuanced voice languages. We're using Abby OCR stuff, which a lot of, a lot of you are familiar in other applications. Um, <clears throat> and then when it reads it back to you, you can, you can actually purchase multiple voices. When it reads it back to you, you can email the text to yourself, you can copy it to the clipboard, you can email the picture. Like I said, if you want to see it in action, come and see us. It's in beta right now. Should be shipping in February, and the application is going to be $20. Wow. So, Everybody knows that control, or is it Apple plus and minus? zooms your text in and out, right? If I do control plus on my PC, it makes everything on my web page larger. What I'm sharing is theme, font, and size changer, an extension for Firefox. See all this stuff up here? That doesn't change. So I have this little icon up on my uh, toolbar. I now have the option of changing the size of all that stuff up at the top. Now watch. Inside, inside menus, and everything on my bookmarks toolbar or wherever. So that's theme. Uh, and I can also, if I want to, of course, I have a very slick way of going back again by just going in here and clicking on normal. That takes it back to where I was. I can also, if I have a reason to, change my font as well. And uh, you know, you need to know why you have a reason for changing your font because you may just uh, not exactly like it. And this is where the normal thing is really, really helpful because I can go back. I might want to change the font, however. So that's theme, font, and size changer. Fabulous <coughs> extension for Firefox. Does that stay when you close Firefox? Yes. I believe so. I, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yes, it does. I do know it does. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm done. Ah, uh, yes, there we are. My name is James Martin. I'm a, an AT coordinator at a small private school for dyslexics in New York State called the Kildonan School. And I recently discovered an online tool called EasyBib. Okay, what this is is a free online bibliography or citation maker. Um, if any of you work with dyslexics, having them do a research report is challenging enough. But having them remember all the MLA citations can be a little bit tricky. So uh, I'm going to open up the New York Times website just to find an article. Uh, we'll do the first one. Police battle huge protests across Egypt. I just saw that in the news this morning. What I'm going to do is just copy the title of the article. Go back to EasyBib. 
put the title of the article in that field. I'm going to click Cite This. Come down, look at my choices. All right, just because I'm running a long time, I'm going to pick the MSNBC one. So I'm going to select that. It was published today, like that one. Never mind. I'm going to skip that because we're running a long time. And you'll see it creates the MLA citation for that article. Except it's giving me a pop up. <laughs> Go ahead. This is their ad, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Do pop up ads count in my, my team? <laughs> Anyway, so it creates the MLA citation right here. Once you have a list of MLA citations, you can export it to your desktop as an RTF file into Word, and it's all in alphabetical order, so you don't have to remember all the MLA citations for every single kind of source. The paid, this is the free version. The paid version does ALA um, and something else. I can't remember what else. Along with um, citations, some of our students, and since you have the New York Times article open, how many of you are using Digo? Okay, those of you who don't know Digo, it's a social bookmarking tool. And what does that mean? You know, when you're on a computer and you save your bookmarks to that computer, well, you work on multiple computers. What do you do when you can't retrieve your bookmarks on one computer? You use a site like Digo or Delicious. So let me just show you. So I've got my Digo toolbar here. Just to show you Digo real quick, um, it's a free social bookmarking tool. So like right now, I've got, I've got a 1,200 bookmarks, which you can't really retrieve from one computer to the other easily, but I can go on any computer and open up my Digo account and all of my bookmarks are there. What's wonderful, there's a lot of things that, that I love about it. One is I can retrieve my um, tags. So I started tagging things ATIA 11 to that. And well, actually so far I've only done one. But, um, but I can go to other ones, like I can go to my autism resources and retrieve all of the things that I've tagged autism. And it shows my notes, it shows what day I did it, whatever, I can delete it. So, but the thing that I wanna show you since we've got that New York Times article up is it has the ability to highlight, this is really awesome, has the ability to highlight, and there's many ways to use this in the classroom, but I will just show you for personal productivity. So you go to the highlight tab, you can choose your color, and all the important things, so we'll just change it to highlighter, and so we can just highlight all the things that we might think are important. Okay, cool. So then you go back and you found the things that you need to remember. Oh, this was the old, I don't need to hold, read the whole article. The really cool thing is you can extract those highlights. So right here you go under Send, Extract Highlights. There are my extractions. I can copy it to the clipboard, add it to a Word document, and there's my link. How powerful is that for our kids and for us? Thank you. That's part of the Digo toolbar. That's part of the Digo You cannot highlight in delicious. That yeah, that's the deal. Gotcha. So that's why I love it. Okay. Uh, going along with EasyBib, there's another uh, site called Sweet Search. Yeah. 
Um, some of you have heard of it. Can I close this? Absolutely. Um, right, let me get the sweet search first, and then I'm going to do a comparison search from between Google and Sweet Search. Okay, so what Sweet Search is is kind of it's it's called a search engine for students, and it kind of filters out all the crap that you would get if you were just searching Google. So um, if I search for jackass in Google, I will probably get the Johnny Knoxville film. Yes, that's like one of the first things up there. However, if I search for jackass in Sweet Search. First thing that's going to come up is something about the you know the history of the the donkey symbol in the Democratic Party. So it's really kind of if you have a a student who's doing a research project, um, I would point them to Sweet Search first before just doing a straight Google search because it really does filter out all that nonsense that you would get on Google. And there's some other cool kind of features that go along. Okay, so um, if you don't know Patrick Black, Patrick Black has a blog called teachingall.blogspot.com. And one of the way he does his presentations, he's a, a special education teacher, so he uses a tool called Prezi. Um, it's an alternative way of doing presentations, so it's not PowerPoint, it's not a, a Google Doc. So one of the ones that I found is an alternative way of doing presentations, not that I've done a presentation, but I started thinking, hmm, maybe it could be another way of doing presentations or another way for students to express what they know is something called voobox.com. Um, let me sign in real quick so you can just see one that I've created. Um, what I like about it is that you can, of course, upload your own pictures or you can make one from a Flickr stream. So if you upload your pictures in, in Flickr, you can put in your Flickr name and it'll go and get all your pictures and just use it from there. Um, cool, so here's one that I made. Um, my wife and I write children's stories, put them out as a podcast called Nightlight Stories. And one of our stories is called the heebie-jeebies. And so we took pictures of, uh, picture of, of the fan art. Really, it's my kids and me that do most of the fan art. But um, we made this slideshow. Um, and we don't have the audio up, but you can put audio with the slideshow. Uh, and, and it's just going. And what I look, let me just back up. One, one other thing you could do to it, kind of like you can do in Flickr with putting hot spots over pictures, you could put hot spots over this stream. So here, I've tagged this as a hotspot that says which, and my wife is from Salem, Mass, so I put a link to, if I were to click, stop it and click on it, um, click for more, it takes me to the Salem, Massachusetts website. And I can put all sorts of hotspots all over my stream. So you've got audio, you've got video, you've got visuals, uh, I mean, uh, images, and it's just a, a new fun way to, um, for students to express themselves. So it's voobox.com. Cool. Okay, the, the uh, website that I'm gonna talk about is, um, it's uh, Creative Commons Search. Um, for, how many of you know you're not supposed to use copyright material? Really? And really, I know, isn't that shocking? Um, and what's interesting is that, um, that trying to find uh, Creative Commons in one, one search, like one, like Flickr, um, there's a way that you can find them in multiple places at the same time. So let me pull up this website. Okay, so this is, uh, it's called uh, Creative Commons uh, from Google. So what you have across the top is you have Google, Google Images, Flickr Images, uh, BLIPTV, -B um, if I knew how to pronounce that one, we'd all be good. So if you wanted to, give me something that you want to search, like a graphic. Tiger. 
tiger. So, okay, apparently he wants flowers. So here's all the things that could be called tigers. So that you can also go through up here, and this will hit every single one of these search engines. So that you can pull from multiple locations without with one typing. And you have permission to use this. Yes, because it's free for, you can use it in uh, presentations, you can use it on your, your wikis, your blogs, because the artist is saying, I took this picture, instead of making copyright, I want it to share with everybody, I want it out there so that it could benefit all. You are supposed to say who it's by, however. Yeah. That's the at attribution. Oh, yeah, sorry. You the attribution. Um, Make sure you cite the source and who it's from. Yesterday afternoon, I went to Microsoft's session about their new uh, accessibility features in uh, Office 2010 and in Windows 7. You're looking at a much better version of Microsoft Word, in my view, than 2007 or 2010. Let me just show you a feature that's been built into Microsoft Word, at least on the PC side, since Word 97, and it's still there in 2007. I haven't checked 2010. So uh, on Karen's machine here, she has this beautiful toolbar up here, which is the Word Talk toolbar, and that gives you text-to-speech in Microsoft Word. One of the occupational hazards of going to school is tests, and you have to answer questions. Uh, we have a significant number of learners, as we all know, who have some difficulty with both reading the questions and writing the answers. <clears throat> so um, if you're going to use WordTalk, you can have the question read to you. My cursor is there. I'm going to read by sentence. It's a little bit soft, but it read out the question. Now, for learners who have difficulty with written expression and who would have difficulty learning text-to-speech, and that includes many, um, I mean, sorry, voice recognition, I get it backwards all the time, uh, if you can use a microphone, voice comments is a feature that's also been built into uh, Microsoft Word from Word 97 and it's still there through Word 2007. All you do is click on the record, have your microphone hooked up, you get an audio icon there and can speak into it. But there's a problem, so I need maybe a little more than two minutes. When you install Word 2007 on XP, voice comments works fine. When you install voice comments, uh, uh, no, sorry, when you install uh, Word 2007 on Windows 7, nada. It doesn't work properly. There's a workaround, but it's more complicated, etc. cetera. Um, and I haven't checked 2010, but I think it's even worse from what I know. However, I have a request. This stuff really matters because this is very powerful for those kids who cannot express themselves with text in writing or use uh, voice recognition because this is an alternative for showing what somebody knows. Now, Ed, I can't remember his last name, I think it was Ed from Microsoft, said, he, you know, my main reason for going to his, his uh, thing, presentation, was to say, listen, this, this is really sad, and can we do something about it? And he said, we do listen to the feedback. 
So if you go to, I think it's microsoft.com slash enable, there is a feedback forum and he says they read it. The other little thing about the new versions, the ribbon versions, which are much less accessible than 2003 that you're looking at here, uh, is that the quick access toolbar, which is where you would put the little icon for um, voice comments or for equation editor or for all kinds of other access tools, is tiny yeah. in uh, Word 2007 and Word 2010. And I said that to him and I said, I tried, I've tried really hard to make it bigger, can't be done. He said, surely it can be done. And then he stopped and thought, and he's a desktop expert, that's his field of expertise. No, I guess you can't. So that's something else to feedback. So for kids with vision or adults with vision issues, we need that bigger. Thank you. So go to that, go to the feedback at uh, Microsoft.com and enable and say we need help. All right, for those of you that need to present materials in different formats for your students, this is a little gem of a website called Hippocampus. I don't know if any of you have been to Hippocampus, but you may want to go if you've not been. Hippocampus lists all sorts of subjects on that left-hand part of the screen, everything from algebra all the way down to U.S. history. I'm going to go ahead and choose uh, biology. When you click on one of those subjects, you either get a course tab or a textbooks tab. The course tab is going to list all these topics within biology. Um, so if I'm looking for the water cycle, I could go click on water and life, and it's going to pull up a multimedia presentation. Water covers more than 75% of the surface of the earth. While much of it is in the oceans, lakes and rivers also contain a lot of water. And it goes through the whole thing. The algebra ones, it actually gives you a little pretest, and then you have, it walks through the principle, and then it gives you a post-test. It's very interactive. Um, let me close this. The textbooks tab. So you have all of this phenomenal information presented in a number of different ways. So for me, who would have been bored stiff reading the textbook, I could have done this. The history ones will show pictures, will do music from the time, and also give you a text overview. But the textbook tab, if you click on that and happen to own one of the textbooks that's listed here, so if you own the Pearson Biology 7e textbook, it's going to give you all those topics again, but it's going to give you the page numbers that are associated with them. So if you have that textbook and you're supposed to read pages 47 through 53, The Nature of Water, I can go here and I can find that exact text or that exact, those pages. Is the relationship between structure and function. So much easier. Well, easier. So much more. I didn't have a learning disability. Well, other than being a teenager. Um, but <laughs> that would have made so much more sense to me than just reading the text out of my book. Yeah. Multiple meanings. Multiple, yep, exactly. So now we'll just take a step back and do an easy one. Photo babble. So photo babble, how many times, I mean, for some of you who work with younger students, maybe nonverbal students, or you know, this is a great way to do homeschool communication. And what you do is you upload a picture, take a picture with your iPhone, whatever, and you record your voice. You email it to all of your students' parents. And there is your homeschool communication for the day. Gives them an opportunity to talk about something that they did, 
whatever, you know, so it's quick and easy. Add your photo, voice to any photo in seconds. It is really easy, very free. I mean, so that's one real quick one. And then I wanted to just show Schmoop. Do you know Schmoop? S-H-M-O-O-P. So this kind of goes along with um, Dave. This is a great teacher resource. It's in, it's free. It's in beta. So let's say you're doing, a, it's especially middle school and high school topics. So you will click on the literature tab, and it gives you. Somebody throw out a book that you're studying. Animal Farm. Animal Farm. So we'll, we're on the A category. So we'll go to the Animal Farm resource, right here. And what it does, let me just make it a little bit bigger. So it gives you tons of resources about that particular book. So you've got the intro, you've got your summary, your themes, your quotes, your characters, your analysis, your question, your teach, you know, it even has a teaching tab. So it's a great way to, to give some supplemental materials for students. Okay, two for one. Oh, seconds to spare. Yay! Okay. Um, so readability is a little uh, book booklet or bookmarklet that you put on to your website, and this is where you will get it <clears throat> at lab.arc90.com. So it's called the Arc90 Lab Experiment, and oh, good. I'll just drag that right up here. Is that all right? Yeah. Please. Okay, and let's go to Salem, Massachusetts, and look at that website. So usually for our students who are doing research, they don't need any distractions because they'll be off looking at the recreation calendar and not looking at the information they need. And so if you click on readability, it strips all the extraneous information, nice big font, white background, black text, and they love it. I have one that goes along with that. Yes. This just came through either Lifehacker or Engadget, one of those two. Um, and let me, I can't figure out how to close that. So I will just go to Not Forest does the same thing, type of thing. You just go to notforest.com. It's another bookmarklet. Got trees but need wood. So I can drag the bookmarklet again right up there. And then if I am back on... Um, whatever article there oops there we go I want Salem Massachusetts same type of thing I click not forest it simplifies it if I did it right Cheryl, Cheryl uh, you can set up how you want your text to look in readability how big the font needs to be how wide your margins need to be etc so it's absolutely fabulous that way thank you so before it, you drag the book farm it up to the book on the book. There we go. You can figure it then whenever you use it, you get what you said about. Right. So this does the very much the same thing, but you don't set it ahead of time. It just has a few preset options at the top. So it simplifies it, but then you can change your background color right from there. So readability I think gives you a little more flexibility in how you present the text. But if you need something on the fly, this is another one that's very similar. There's one I'll tell you about, but it takes, too, it takes too long to download. 
If you haven't heard about the PAL browser, um, it's a simplified browser um, which you can use um, scanning, um, eye gaze, because the icons are about two inches, and it's broken down into simple categories. You can access your um, desktop from that, and it's nice big blocks to access it from, and it's free. What's the PAL browser. PAL browser. And it's yes. It is a web browser. It is a web browser, but you access it from your desktop. Um, you can save your favorites so that it becomes like, for, I use it with some of my students, and we put the top, the, the same website that we want them to use um, for their research. Instead of having that, because some students just don't know where to start, so this is your start point, and then if you choose to go out to use Google to search, that's great, but here's your starting point. So they're not locked in, but that's... Right. How many of you have ever worked with a student who does not use an assignment notebook well? Productive is a wonderful site. Um, I've used this with a number of kids. I use it with my daughter. Um, and it's, it's, one of those, uh, it's one of those things that... Uh, really helps students to organize, especially if they have assignments that are uh, have multiple parts or are across classes. You'll see my productive um, uh, assignments that are across classes. Uh, what you're able to do here, it is very simple. You can go ahead and set up different workspaces. So my daughter actually has one for school and she has one for home because I give her to-dos. Um, and then, uh, and then you can also, within a workspace, you can tag your tasks. So I have all of these tasks at work, and then those get corresponded to these various, um, uh, the tasks that are there. You can also schedule those tasks, and you can, uh, you can look at the task in isolation. So you can look at what do I have to do for math, or I can look at what is due today across math, social studies, and science. And so it gives the students different ways to tackle things. You can also star tasks to create priorities. So it's a nice, it's a nice way for them to organize. And if they're using smartphones, it's, uh, they have smart apps both on the Droid and BlackBerry and um, uh, oh, the iPhone. <laughs> and so it's, it is a wonderful uh, little tool. You can, like I said, and, you, and this also has a collaborative function to it. You can go ahead and assign it to other people. The free version only lets you have three people in a group, though. But wonderful organization tool. I'm Susan Gill. I do AT in Pennsylvania. And I use, I have, um, I do have readability on my Firefox um, bar, but I also, I think a good corollary to it is print what you like for when you do need to print something out and you want to do that same thing, which is um, only provide um, only provide on the print. So I have it on my um, as, as an add-on, but what you can do is, that's too bad, I couldn't bring up my computer, put it on my computer, but you, um, it gives you a list, and I haven't, I actually, oh, here you go, this is what I want to do, is it gives you this bar on the, on the left, 
and you're going to go in and um, be able to identify, like incre say increase the text size, maybe just add, I wasn't really planned for this, but let's say you can box what you want to print. It may be just text. Um, you can resize, you can save, you can tell it not to show, to hide backgrounds, you can tell it. So you can take a busy web page, essentially, and identify what you want to print out. And I just think that's a good print corollary to, to readability. So I have that on mine. The other thing that I'm using um, all the time, actually, I'm using it to, today, is I'm not an organized thinker. And so something like Daigo bookmarks I can use later when I think through and tag. But in the moment, I'm not organizing and tagging. So do people use Read It Later? Yes. Um, I use um, Read It Later, I'll tell you how I use it, um, but I have it as a, um, on my, here, Read It Later. So anything that I'm looking, all during this session, I was going to the website, I don't have time to read it, I don't know if I want to keep it forever. This happens particularly when you're reading your, um, you know, the, your um, RSS feeds, you know, you see stuff and you don't really have time to read it, so you don't want to commit it to your forever stuff and organize it. So I hit, I have read it later on the, um, on my toolbar, and this actually is um, also available for the iPad and iPhone, and it's it's really cool because what you can do is, you you hit, when I hit that bar, I come up, it creates a reading list, um, on this. Uh, reading list that I have, for instance, for today, it has every site that I've just hit in this session. I can go back later and decide which are keepers. Now, in this session, it would have been good. I could assume they were all keepers. But when you're reading your blog, reading your feeds and stuff, you don't know, and you're looking at it real fast when you're supposed to be doing something else, you don't know whether something's a keeper. So the read it later list is really nice. It also gives you a way to store things and read it offline. So think of all the situations where you want to look at stuff when you're offline. So I use it all the time. In fact, there's so many pages in it. It's like a file cabinet that got too big. So that's that's the other thing. I just want to see if there's something else on my toolbar. The other thing is Awesome Highlighter. So between Read It Later, Awesome Highlighter, Print What You Like, Readability, they're the most frequently used ones across. All of, yeah, they're all free. Well, it's been an hour. <laughs> what do you think? Good. Thanks again to everyone who participated. If you end up doing a SmackDown at your state, local, regional, national, or international conference, and you record it, I'd be happy to talk to you about posting it up as an AT Tipscast episode. Also, I'd like to thank Eliza Anderson for doing the bumper that you heard at the beginning of this episode. I met Eliza during the conference, and she told us about the e-zine newsletter, atprogramnews.com, that she puts together. I hope you go over there and check it out. I think it's a fantastic resource for all things AT. Finally, I'd like to thank everyone who I got to meet and talk to during the conference. It was simply amazing to meet so many people who've read the Practical and Fun Guide to Assistive Technology, and who told me how much they enjoyed the book. Moreover, it was a bit surreal just how many people came up to me telling me the stories of how the book influenced their practice. People had story after story of how they used the book to change how they were doing things for the better. I couldn't have been more flattered, and I know if Sally had been there, she would have felt the same way. 
So until next time, may all your interventions be inclusive and may all your strategies be supportive.